Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024. You heard me? Woo, woo. Wah. Gangsters. The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't, we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't, we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's going to be, man, nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody, nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hey. Uh, welcome back. Hour number three. A hot guest. Love having her. Laura Logan is coming on now. You know, we played her video, the little teaser beezer of the rest of the story. It is her dive into what really happened on January 6th. This should have been done by our media, but they don't know how to do their job. So we do. Laura, welcome back, my dear. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. I appreciate it. This is a big day for you. Tell me about this. Tell me about your project. Well, um, we have, this is a series of 20-minute episodes that we'll be dropping every week. Um, Hopefully we can keep that up because we're just a tiny, you know, really small team of uh, very committed people working (laughs) long nights, Um, uh, you know, as is required by this work if you do it properly. And um, we start with the story of Matthew Perna, who's uh, actually a a young man from uh, Western Pennsylvania who uh, took his own life. after 13 months of being really at the mercy of the Justice Department, he couldn't take it anymore. And I think there's a lot of people right now, too many, who feel the same way as Matthew Perna. And maybe in a way, January 6th has highlighted some of the things, you know, that um, that the justice system gets away with, that they've been doing to criminals and no one cares because they're criminals. But there are things that are, um, you know, there are things, there's the way we treat people. We don't stick to the Constitution we don't um, maintain innocent until proven guilty, you know, and um, these are political persecutions in many ways. And what we've done is try to bring um, people to life because, you know, in, in, the, in the eyes of the, of the public and the media and the narrative is that anyone who was there on January 6th is evil and somehow deserves um, to be, you know, tortured and punished. There are people even dancing on Matthew Perna's grave you know, online saying terrible, terrible things um, that are just, you know, basically not decent, right? No, no decent good person should be saying that kind of stuff. And, um, and so, you know, one of the ways that the media has censored January 6th is to just, um, is to never tell, never let any of those people be human, never tell their stories. And that's, you know, what we've tried to do in the style of 60 Minutes. Mm. Um, it's very much what I did at the show um, and, um, and we have, you know, a number of episodes still to come, um, that cover different parts, but January 6th is huge. We could never, you know, we could never uncover everything and tell every story. And that's always hard because there are people left out. 
What did you uncover that surprised you? Um, a lot, actually. But one of the things was that I, I traveled, you know, to different places all over this country. And I realized that, you know, when you're sitting down with, say, Victoria White um, in northern, you know, in Minnesota, and um, she's got four daughters, all of whom are not white, you know, um, and she spent most of her life growing up on, this, you know, on the south side of Chicago, and yet she's got blonde hair and blue eyes. And then you go to, you know, another tiny town in northern Minnesota, and you've got a guy, a Navy corpsman, who's looking at uh, many years in prison, along with his two little brothers and his stepfather. And he's black, and his little brothers are white, and his stepfather's white. And so, you know, what you realize is that America is very mixed, actually. Um, that in, in many places outside of Washington, D.C. and New York City, and, and even in those places, that the issues that, that we have been forced to have shoved down our throats, that they look very different, that much of this country is very integrated. And that doesn't mean there's no racism and that there's no problems. It just means that you start to see how far the narrative is mm-hmm. from uh, the reality for many people, and you realize that the narrative is written by people who really don't live like most of the people in the country. And the other thing is, I think one of the most powerful things for me, a moment where I was interviewing um, a man from Greenville, Mississippi, you know, and that's, of course, is mostly black in Greenville and very, very poor. And he's very, very poor, just like everyone else, but he happens to be white. And he had these 11 radio stations. And he wasn't a journalist. This was just something he did. Um, and, and I said to him, I, I don't understand, like, you're not, as a, a journalist, you never have been, so how did you get into, you know, local radio stations in Greenville? And he, he put his head down, and he thought about it, and he looked at, he looked at me, and he said, you know, Lara, he said, well, where I come from, we're just throwaway, throwaway people. We're just throwaway people. Nobody cares about us. We don't matter. And so I wanted to show people that they mattered. I wanted to tell their stories because no one ever did. And um, I realized in that moment that when they say flyover country, they mean throwaway country. That's what they're talking about. They want to throw, you know, everybody away. So those, you know, the blue-collar people, the white-collar people, the people that uh, work every single day to keep this country going, whether they're, you know, uh, Hispanic American, Black American, White American, it really doesn't matter. They have no use for us. It's like Yuval Noah Harari, the scientific advisor to Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, and the author of Sapiens, you know, who, who's pushing for transhumanism and the end of humanity and the new, you know, new generation uh, of humans that are part machine, you know, part, part human. Um, these people, they're the crazy ones, and um, they want to cast all of us as crazy, but they really don't believe, they don't see any value in all of us. And um, and that was a very mm. powerful uh, moment for me. Mm-hmm. Is you know that the narrative is a lie. You know that so many things are, are pushed on us that people don't believe in. But when you actually um, when you actually travel and you spend time with people and you see a whole all different parts. This country is huge, and it's made up of so many different kinds of people. But what unites Everybody, the things that unite us are really powerful, much more powerful than the things that divide us. And, um, and it really makes you angry that, um, 
these elitist people have looked down on so many good people for so long. Um, and that they, uh, it just really, you see how manipulated we are and how much has been taken from us. Mm-hmm. And you, it really, um, it's wrong, you know, and I was, I was born to gravitate towards um, injustice, to, you know, to address that and to try to fight for justice. And um, I'm not an activist by any means. I'm a journalist. But in my stories and in my work, that's why I lived five years in Iraq. That's why I, I lived for years in Afghanistan. You know, that's why when I would go to a place, I never wanted to leave. You know, I slept on the street with street children in Angola when I was, I don't know, 19 or 20, because I couldn't just cover that story and walk away. You know, it was hard. And so not not a lot has changed. I'm a lot older and um, hopefully, you know, quite a bit wiser. But it's extraordinary to me that um, the things I did when I was 19 years old as a journalist, I'm still doing at 52. The stories need to be told. And you say the things that unite us. I would say the basic faith, freedom, family is undeniable. What, what do you believe unites us as you travel the country? Well, those things, um, definitely. I think people universally don't like to be lied to or manipulated. They want to be free. You know, they, they don't want to live under someone else's thumb. And you know what else? People basically want to take responsibility for um, themselves and what they do. I mean, of course, a lot of people opt out of that. But it's when it gets so hard, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's when people opt out of it. What you see is that instinctively, you know, people do want to take care of their own, and they do want to do the right thing. And I think people are profoundly, intrinsically good. Now, it doesn't mean that evil doesn't exist. Unfortunately, it does. But I think what we've seen happen here is that people universally have put their faith in the republic. They've put their faith in their institutions and they know that they've been betrayed. And some people are able to face that more easily than others. Some people are forced to face it because of their circumstances. Like you're, when you realize that you're being, you're being hounded into prison because you exercised your First Amendment rights and they don't want you to exist, you know, you're forced into it, right? You may not want to see the world that way, but you don't have a choice anymore. And so I find that everywhere that I go. I, I really do. I find that people of all races supported Donald Trump because they were tired of being lied to and they were tired of the elites looking down on them. They were tired of being patronized and disregarded. Um, you know, and what I find is that it's quite funny, Wendy. Here's something I learned that you just made me think about. So I learned a long time ago, people would always say a lack of education was the problem. And while a lack of education is very it's very significant and can have profound consequences. I always would respond to that by saying, but how come most of the psychopaths that I've met who've done the most, you know, had the most impact and who've been able to do the most damage, um, they've been very well educated. They were not uneducated, right? And, and that's something that I found in reverse now. I found people who are not particularly sophisticated Maybe they're not particularly well-educated, but they are profoundly aware Mm -hmm. of the difference between right and wrong, and they're not afraid to stand up. Or they are afraid, but they're standing up anyway. You know, and that's what I find so extraordinary. Like, for example, there's a young man, Philip Anderson, and he just happens to be black. But this young man has taught me 
so much. I've just been so, um, it's, his courage is breathtaking. You know, here you, you have a guy who, uh, really is not, I mean, when I talk to him, he's just been arrested the day after he announced that he was, um, in our series, the FBI moved in and arrested him and he almost died on January 6th. I mean, he really should be dead. He was saved by another protester, Jake Lang, who's been languishing in prison without trial for years now. Um, and it seems that everybody who was around, a lot of people who were around Roseanne Boyland, not all, mm-hmm. but a lot of people who were around Roseanne Boyland who died, um, they're in prison, right? And so it's just shocking that Philip Anderson has been charged. And when I, uh, you know, when I talk to him, like, for example, I mentioned exculpatory information, what he has a right to know um, as a defendant, and, and he didn't know what that was. And yet, when I sit down with for hours with Philip Anderson, the man is unwavering in terms of principle. Yes. You know, yes. it's just incredible. You look at this guy and you think, wow. I mean, I mean, he has stood there in front of Antifa in Portland, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's like a power base of this anarchist movement where they, they are clearly, you know, in overwhelming number. And he stood there on the street and said, no, I'm not moving. I love- you know, he said, I don't know how many of them surround him, many mm-hmm. of them masked, threatening him with violence, you know, violently shoving him in that. And he says, you're not built... You're not destroying this building. You're not burning it down. I'm standing my ground. It sounds and like... And you look at that. He's got he's got no connections, Wendy. Right, he's right. got no money. He's got no big lawyers in his court. These, he's got no politicians. These are the people who are saving us. Yes. what is right yes. and he knows what is wrong. And he's not going to be bullied. He's not going to be intimidated. He's not going to be cast aside. He's just going to say, no, uh, you know, you don't have a right to do that to me. And I'm and, and I'm going to and I know that, you know, what and, and just, is this live I find that extraordinary? It is. Is this live now on Twitter on X? It just dropped. Ah, literally, Laura Logan, I, you. I love it. I want to thank you. I'm up against a break. So I want to thank you for your time and your diligence. You come back. I want to hear all your stories. Deal. <laughs> thank you, Wendy. Yes. God, you know. God bless. Thank you. I think she was uplifted. No, I think care. you too. She was uplifted by this, and I think you will be as well, my friends. It's called The Rest of the Story, just dropped on X. You're listening to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. You know what's fun about talking with Laura Logan? There are some people who can't be silenced. You can call them names. You can call them ugly names. Again, when you know who you are, none of that matters. Do we all inherently within ourselves want to be liked? Sure. But is that my motivation? Is that her motivation? No. And when you tell stories about people, it's one of the reasons why we love Steve Hartman from CBS, who does those wonderful stories that we do oftentimes for good news. And his story started out with he would just take a a phone book and he would close his eyes and leaf through it and put his finger on it and go to that person's address. And he'd go to them, knock on the door, and he would tell a story about that individual. Well, who were they? A nobody. Until you listen to who they are and what they do. You're not a nobody. Nobody's a nobody. Everybody's a somebody. 
But we've been told for years, no, that area doesn't matter. Those folks don't matter. What does it say to the folks of East Palestine, Ohio, that their vacuous president hasn't come to visit? He doesn't care. They don't care. You don't matter to them. What do I get when I listen to Donald Trump talk about his love of country? Did you guys see the video? It was earlier this week. It's something over the weekend, right? And he had a rally. And he was talking about one of those huge, raucous rallies. You know, twenty to 50,000 people show up for these things. And he was talking about how, how devastating Joe Biden and, and the Obama 3.0 administration, administration has been to this country. And he stopped for like 45 seconds. And he was so choked up, he couldn't speak. And you could tell it was taking everything he had to not cry. He feels what you feel. He felt it on 9-11 with the video we showed you earlier this week. Caring about his workers, making sure they knew that he supported them. Pitching in and doing what could, what could be done for the city ravaged by terror. And then there's Joe Biden making up a memory that, right? Every day, Americans, you and I know the difference because you feel it. It's undeniable. And that is why I know they are scared. Because you can only lie and cheat and steal for so long before finally your chickens come home to roost. And ladies and gentlemen, I've got a hankering for some wings. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, this whole gun-grabbing governor in New Mexico, she just got slapped down in a big way. It is delicious. I got it for you next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. I love hearing Laura Logan say what she says about forgotten America, about flyover America. It's the we don't care America. And that's that's so not the case. And I think when you get enough people who realize that there is a very small fraction of this country that just believes that they are in charge and you don't matter, you'll just be the the hardworking gears and levers that make whatever their crazy policy is work we're done and that she finds such great joy in in telling these stories of profoundly strong people you know i think the more educated you are sometimes the less critically the less critically you think when you're told what to think instead of how to think Things get a little squirrely. And I believe this is why so many folks in that category of non-college educated, these are the folks who've worked hard, who went straight from high school to, to the workforce, whether they went and did a trade or they went to beauty school or whatever they did, or they started their own business their own way, right? These are the people who are noticing everything and who are not apt to be conned. But there is this emotional side of everything on the left. If you can't win with ideas, 
You've got to try to, you got to get somebody to cry. You got to get somebody, oh, they're a victim. Oh, you're so mean. And we saw, we've seen this mechanism multiple times. Corrine Jean-Pierre, when she's actually getting pushback in the press room, she tells people they're being rude or disrespectful. You know better than that, she f- wags her finger. Really? Your job is to answer our questions. And if we continue asking the same question, it's because you haven't answered it. I want to play for you this audio soundbite. Here's a reporter to to Biden State Department spokesman Matt Miller. Matt Miller is not a frequent flyer, but he's not new to the administration. And this individual reporter wants something very basic. Look, USAID is a front organization for major shell, shell money laundering crap for dark, I believe, Democrat missions. All right. USAID is giving a lot of money to these folks coming across the border and it's funded by us. Right. And this reporter goes, how much USAID money, how much U.S. taxpayer dollars, how much did we fund all of this stuff at the Wuhan Institute of Virology? I mean, how much did we all pay to make these weaponized viruses? Now, this guy, Matt Miller, is not going to be able to answer the question. And he's going to stammer and yammer until he realizes he's got only one button to push, and it's the emotion. Be respectful. Don't push. Be respectful of me, is what he's going to say. Listen to the reporter, random act of journalism, and then the playbook. If you can't win because they've got you and you're screwed, claim something emotional. Go. How much money went from USAID to this to the work at Wuhan and to their collaborator, Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina uh, to create, the, to collect and make coronaviruses that are weaponized, that um, are more deadly. So I, first of all, reject the implicit accusation in that question, and I do not have at my finger, I, 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 I do not, I do not have at my fingertips the particular details of USAID. Are you saying for certain, are you saying for certain that no USAID money went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Go ahead. No, please tell me, do you, do you, are you stating that no USAID money went? I will say, I am happy to take questions from those in this audience. I'm happy to answer them. I appreciate that they treat uh, every person in this room, including myself, respectfully. I call on you. I'm now calling on someone else. Go ahead. Treat me respectfully. Please tell me. What are you denying? Go ahead. What is your denial? It's a non-denial denial. Oh, holy cow. Be respectful. Don't you push me. I just deflected. I don't have an answer because we were dirty as balls. And you know it for a member of the media to say how much USAID money, a.k.a. United States taxpayer dollars, has gone to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to, to fiddle with coronaviruses to make them into weaponized viruses. First of all, that that dude asked that question is like, This is what I'm telling you. We're standing on the levee and it's beginning to break. They can't hold back the water. They've been relying on the same old tired, tested playbook. Just don't answer or say the same lie enough and everybody will drop it. And so what does he have to do? Be respectful. We're going to answer all the questions, but you didn't, yo. You didn't answer the question, Matt. (laughs) Oh, 
I love this. I love it almost as much as I enjoyed seeing that a Biden appointed judge blocked New Mexico governor's the New Mexico governor's unconstitutional concealed carry ban. Swift and devastating takedown. Yes, that's what Francis Collins wanted of the Great Barrington Declaration and Anthony Fauci. His his able little elfin, you know, helper was was right there to, to take it down. But I'm talking about the swift and devastating takedown of a clear liberal activist governor in Michelle Lujan Grisham trying to wave a magic wand saying that there's a public health emergency because people are shooting each other and people are getting killed. Hi, you can't legislate behavior. Dirt bags will be dirt bags. It is what it is. We're going to blame the guns and we're going to target the law abiding. No, you won't. Slap down by a Biden judge. And similarly, gun owners of America, if every Special interest worked as swiftly and purposefully as gun owners of America, we'd be better off. Granted a temporary restraining order against this nonsense. You conceal carry law-abiding citizens. You go, you do you, said the judge. But I came across this, and this is a great article. These folks who defend the Second Amendment actually are the architects of the playbook for whatever pushback should be coming If they try to lock us down again, the lockdown resistance, anything that we do, do not comply with insanity. Right. These folks who are staunch, unwavering defendants of the Second Amendment, whatever group they belong to, unaffiliated part of GOA, what have you. It's a fact. Listen to this. In response to Democrat New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham's effort to infringe on Second Amendment rights as though she were the ultimate authority, more than 100 protesters openly carried firearms. This is this past weekend at a rally in Albuquerque. Uh, Of course, remember it because their strategy might need to be used again to thwart the covid tyrants. Grisham, acting every bit the dictator, issued late last week that emergency order in which she suspended open and concealed carry laws in Bernalillo County, where the city of Albuquerque is located, for 30 days in order to, quote, stop this this flow of of violence, gun violence, which had taken the life of an 11-year-old child. Of course, as anyone should have expected, the protest was peaceful. Nobody was shot. Nobody was pistol whipped. They didn't leave garbage behind. No fistfights broke out. We know this. Nobody was threatened. It was nothing like a Democrat-approved Antifa or BLM riot. Now, Grisham's order is recognized as such a flagrant violation of rights that locals are refusing to enforce it. That includes the Bernalillo County DA, Sam Bregman, the Albuquerque mayor, Tim Keller, Albuquerque's police chief, Harold Medina, all these... Western State Sheriff's Association, right? Neither will New Mexico Attorney General Raul Torres participate in the persecution of the law abiding. He said in a letter to the governor that his office will not defend your administration from legal challenges. Six so far and counting with only one ruling allegedly against her to the order. He says, though I recognize my statutory obligation as New Mexico's chief legal officer to defend state officials, blah, blah, blah. My My job is to uphold the Constitution and that I shall. And this article in issuesandinsights.com says we need exactly that brand of courage from other public officials should the COVID thugs try to subjugate us again. 
100% spot on. And I hadn't thought about it. Yes, the reluctance of public officials to align with Grisham was likely not a hard choice. It's obvious that she is violating the Constitution. But isn't it equally as obvious that mask mandates and lockdowns are also unconstitutional? Yes. There is no amendment that explicitly protects us from mask mandates. Of course not. Nor does the Bill of Rights directly prohibit lockdowns. Yet both are an offense against the principles of our founding documents that guarantee liberty and limit government interventions into private lives. They are, as well, gross abuses of power. When agents of the government dictate how an ostensibly free people can and cannot live, they step far outside of their duties. Stay in your lane, right? Doesn't matter if the orders are coming from the president or a local unelected public health minister who isn't qualified to run a sidewalk lemonade stand, yet has control over others. A federal judge... Noted when he ruled in September 2020 on the shockingly arbitrary repressive pandemic rules issued by Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf. The Constitution sets certain lines that may not be crossed even in emergency. Why do you think I call it the land before time? Texas Supreme Court Justice Jimmy Blackrock made a similar reason statement in the early days of the COVID crackdowns. We, he wrote that government power cannot be exercised in conflict with federal and state constitutions, even in a pandemic. Look, I don't care what your emergency. Your emergency cannot trample my freedom. That was the whole point of the hand-wringing and the give-and-go and the months that it took to write those documents. Of course, If we tolerate unconstitutional government orders during an emergency, whether out of expediency or out of fear, we abandon the Constitution at the moment that we need it the most. Facts. The crisis isn't COVID-19 now, nor was it in 2020 or any of the intervening years. The crisis is government overreach. It's boot on our necks, which always and everywhere constitutes a crisis. But what's a small piece of cloth and maybe a couple of weeks of staying home to flatten the curve, right? The apologists argue to this day, the emotional side. Do what you need to do. Protect everyone. It's for the greater good. As Governor Grisham demonstrated, of course. But those are, in fact, our portals to even worse government behavior. And as the global warming zealots will, when they drop a climate emergency on us, They'll ask us to give it up again. It's always an emergency. It's always rooted in fear. And there's always an emotional heartstring pulled on it, right? The fact is, you can't steal our rights. End of story. Quick time out, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back. How can Aaron Rodgers, and this has nothing to do with his Achilles, right? Aaron Rodgers... And the media are going to prove what we just said in a magnificent mashup. You don't want to miss it. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. 
All right, so I don't normally end with a sports thing, but this really doesn't have anything to do with sports. You guys remember when Aaron Rodgers came out and he was on with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan had told him he had taken ivermectin and blah, blah, blah when he had COVID or Aaron Rodgers told Joe Rogan, I don't know which one it was. However, everybody went nutty. I cannot believe he would take horse pace. Blah, 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 blah. It was all about the media carrying on the lie. And Aaron Rodgers saying, you know what? I need to do what's best for me. I've got some allergies, some stuff in this vaccine. My doctors told me wasn't good for me. And so I just got healthy. And, uh, you know, I started taking some natural stuff. And lo and behold, that with ivermectin, I did really well. And he was literally... He was literally scarred with the scarlet letter. It was burned into the fabric of who he was by the media. And I just wanted to go back real quick, real quick. And I wanted to play this montage for you, okay? Remember his common sense. North is still north. I'm going to listen to my doctors and do what's right for me. I'm not going to follow the leader. Sorry, but not sorry. And then the media falling over themselves, absolutely aghast that, that, that he should, by any stretch... Aaron Rodgers should think for himself. Go. I can't even believe Aaron Rodgers did this, Skip. I have so I have lost so much respect. I'm ashamed of him right now. I think we're seeing a very different side of Aaron Rodgers. I think we're seeing a side of Aaron Rodgers that people are really, really disgusted by. I'm making the decision that's based on what's best for me and my own health. And for me, it was a no-brainer. He literally is sitting home because he might kill someone. First, he, he endangers people's lives. Then he doesn't take responsibility and makes up some story. Then he blames the woke crowd. He, he should speak at the Republican convention. The problem with this is it is so political. And health should not be political. He gave this interview on Friday that was just... It was just so damaging, uh, promoting conspiracy theories, attacking the cancel culture and the woke mob, you know, saying how Joe Rogan was his expert analysis. While he says he talks to Harvard MDs about stuff, it was Joe Rogan that really guided him. He took stuff that is for horses. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. The embarrassment was going to begin as soon as he pointed out Joe Rogan as one of his touchstones of his critical thinking. I'm going to critically think about what's best for my own health. I'm not judging anybody else. What we've got today with this interview is a public figure spreading misinformation. Aaron Rodgers is comfortable sitting down for 50 minutes and spewing verbal diarrhea that we can all react to. It is a devastating prospect of the ramifications of what this guy is doing and what he's saying. He sounds like a crackpot. Have they talked about exercise, a healthy diet, like eating real food, drinking water, taking vitamins, vitamin D deficiency and, and what that causes in the body. No, there hasn't been any of that. I, I think that was a, a rant um, that went off the rails several times, uh, divorced from reality at, at almost every turn. You came across as a national embarrassment. Do you think Aaron Rodgers set the dumb jock stereotype back? I'm gonna have the best immunity possible now based on the 2.5 million person study from Israel that people who get COVID and recover have the most robust immunity. For him to perpetuate that, um, I guess it just shows us that he doesn't care. I'm an athlete, I'm not an activist. So I'm gonna get back to doing what I do best. And that's, and that's playing ball. Uh, isn't that the best? Isn't that a shame? Listen to all of the people who are so desperate for attention that they had to go out there with zero knowledge. Where did they get the knowledge that it was horse paced? The media. Fauci. And, the, and then there's Aaron Rodgers, who's able to just think critically, speak clearly, be rational, common sense guy. 
I don't know. I just think that maybe if we weren't so fat, if we were healthier as a people, right, we would fare better in times such as these. And, and instead of injecting myself with something, I think I can probably do some homeopathic stuff that's just as effective. I'm not an activist. I'm an athlete. And I'm just going to go back out there and play ball. And they freaking came after him with the pitchforks. What a shame. What an absolute disgraceful shame. I wonder how all of those idiots feel now. Ivermectin, which has been used more than four billion times, which is one of the safest things out there. Pennies on the dollar. And of course they knew unless they demonized it. Big Pharma wouldn't get their emergency use authorization, which would prevent you from suing them once you obeyed the order and got injected if something went sideways. It's, it's dark, it's predictable, and the, the kindling that feeds the fire are small-minded, though large ego voices out there. Yes? It's just great to hear. You've got to go back in time and remember where we've been, remember who these people are, what they've said, and our friends at Grabian do a fantastic job putting that together. So hats off to them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I was going to tell you about Dylan Mulvaney's plan to be like the Colin Kaepernick of, of um, you know, beer because he wants a deal to, to be the halftime performer or maybe even do a Super Bowl commercial. You know, doesn't that sound Who would want to pay for that? <laughs> you can't make it up. Sadly, we've run out of time. You're welcome. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great day. Peace.